Welcome to Destination CMO, a podcast about growth, business, and the power of marketing. With your host, Vincent Famvan, a three-time chief marketing officer, member of the Forbes Communication Council, and a 40 Under 40 award recipient. On this show, we invite our guests to share the most important stories happening today in business and tech, told through the lens of a senior marketing leader. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today is Roshni Winjaha Sinha, and she's a fractional CMO with over 15 years of marketing experience, having launched over 50 different products and brands in over 20 different markets worldwide. She started her career working on top consumer brands on the agency side, built her skill set, built her reputation by being able to bring creativity and insights into global leading technology companies such as Microsoft and Sony. In 2017, she founded Prosh Marketing, which is a marketing consulting practice specializing in strategy, planning, and communications for startups and SMBs. Rashni, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, same. Most of us like growing up when we were kids, marketing is not one of those careers where you're like taught about it in elementary school. I feel like everybody grows up and it's like, oh, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or like these other things that are like a lot easier to explain. And you are not only a marketer, but you're a fractional CMO, which is a really rapidly growing role, especially within the startup space that you and I both play in. And so, you know, explain to the audience here, like, what is a fractional CMO for anybody who's never heard of that? And like, how does that differ from your traditional full-time CMO? Yeah, so a fractional CMO is basically a part-time marketing leader. So instead of having a full-time head of marketing in-house, you have a half-time or part-time CMO. And usually that's driven by how much the company can afford or how much marketing efforts the company needs. But really, it's a part-time marketing leader. And a fractional CMO is different than a marketing consultant because we embed ourselves within the organization. So we're part of your email. We're part of your Slack. We go up on your website. We're really part of the team. And we stick around to help you implement those marketing strategies and plans. Yeah, so much in like the startup world. I mean, I have been at companies that have been pre-revenue, raised a seed fund or raised a series A all the way through, you know, companies with over 20,000 employees with billions of in revenue already. And like in the early days, a lot of the journey is like people are wearing a lot of different hats, roles are a lot more loosely defined. But a big focus is actually like product building and finding product market fit which is kind of a completely different skill set for a marketer than scaling something that is an established product or an established brand. You're so right. A fractional CMO wears a lot of hats, especially at a startup. So we play a little bit in operations, trying to get all of the tools and processes set up. We play a little bit on the finance side, looking at forecasting and budgeting. And of course, we play a huge role within the product side, really being that voice of the customer, bringing in market research and ensuring that the product team is building something that will actually sell through. How did you stumble upon this? How did you like find your way into your first fractional CMO type of role? So I was a head of marketing at a growing startup and that startup exited and I was looking for my next opportunity. And I was thinking to myself, I'd help so many other businesses grow and entrepreneurs. I should try my hand at it myself. So I decided to go out as a consultant. And so I was doing marketing consulting for a couple of years when I realized that consultant was a dirty word. Everyone was like, you're going to create a strategy and then just leave me hanging. So I was trying to figure out a way to stick around and implement. And so part of that 
role evolved from just doing the strategy to also helping them implement and being part of the team. This was before fractional CMOs became like a buzzword and then eventually got a term. Yeah, because the world of like marketing freelancing is like really well known, right? Whether you're a copywriter, whether you're a web developer, whether you're a graphic designer or UX designer, that work is really well established. And there's a lot of platforms like Upwork where there's really open marketplaces to be able to see like both sides of the market on the client side as well as on the talent side. In the fractional CMO world, like a lot of that is a little bit behind the covers. I mean, it doesn't happen in like these open market platforms, at least not yet today at a large scale. So how do you even go about finding clients that would be interested or have a need for this? And what does that, I guess, sales or business development process look like typically? Yeah, it's interesting because as a marketer, you sometimes don't necessarily think of yourself as a salesperson, but at the same time, you know, running your own shop and consulting for yourself requires you to have these skills. So a lot of the time, our referrals come from word of mouth or from partner channels. And so we work with accelerators, we work with other partners to bring in the right kinds of leads. And then a couple years ago, we decided to try our hand at actually marketing ourselves, which was really interesting because we brought in all sorts of customers and maybe they weren't the right kinds of customers for our business. And so we took a step back and really thought about the process and Marketing will attract certain customers, but it also depends on what kind of customers you're looking for. So we went back to really focusing on a business development cycle where we are hunting specific kinds of people. So we know what kinds of clients we best fit with. And then also really focusing and doubling down on partnerships. There's kind of two different approaches that I've heard fractional CMOs talk about as they take a look at like their portfolio of clients. There's the approach of pick one kind of banner client and go half time with them. Or I've also talked to some other folks who say, actually, like my ideal portfolio of clients is to have five to seven at once. And it looks more like five hours a week with each of those clients. Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, more power to you. If you can juggle five mind spaces of different clients and products, I personally probably can maximize myself at three to four. I think it's a a real challenge, I think, for marketers, if you're not from an agency background, to switch between clients, products, people. And if you're really embedded in the organization, your hours don't stop when your hours stop. So you're thinking about Mm -hmm. that company all the time. You're thinking, hey, this is a great opportunity, or I saw this amazing idea. And so if you like have a ton of clients, I find that it's really hard to give them that kind of high level value, as opposed to just being transactional and getting the job done. Yeah. And the mind share. And I have a hard enough time just keeping my personal calendar and my work calendar straight. I can't even imagine trying to manage that many different calendars. You talked about kind of finding the startup spaces, like your niche or like your specialty So like, talk me through when you're looking for a new client or you're in the early conversations potentially with a future client, what are the questions that you think are important to ask or like have alignment on before jumping into that type of relationship? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is cultural fit, especially as a marketing leader, they have to be able to trust you. And if they don't trust you, the client doesn't trust you, you don't have that initial relationship where you can succeed. And I've seen this many times with some of my successors or in other organizations. And so that trust level is paramount to the relationship. And so if I don't feel that they can trust me, I don't think that this is an area that we can actually help with. 
Another thing that's really important is the cultural values. And so our business operates with certain cultural values, and we want to make sure that we're aligned with their cultural values too, because as a leader, you have to live and embody that within their organization. Culture ends up being a huge component of that as well. And then finally, it's alignment on ideology. And so for us, a lot of our startup clients really want to focus, for example, on the bottom end of the funnel. So they know Google ads will make them an ROI so they and they can track it really easily. So they're like, I want to spend all my money on Google. And as marketers, we know a full funnel approach is the best way to maximize your dollars and obviously ensure that your costs don't rise. So if I can get that across and we're aligned on that kind of ideology, for us, it's really important that we have an in-house implementer. So there's no point having a strategy person if you don't have someone who's actually going to implement. So whether it's an agency or a person. So we want to talk about the logistics of how these things will work in advance to make sure that all of the tools and processes are aligned to allow us to succeed. And when you say in-house implementer, are you talking about inside of the company that you're embedded into? That's correct. Like it might be a marketing intern or a marketing manager, just someone who can actually get stuff done because ultimately like it doesn't make sense for you to be paying hundreds of dollars an hour for a fractional CMO, for example, to write marketing copy. Absolutely. And day in and day out, there's a lot of like the tactical work that needs to be done. That's like the physical hands-on keyboard work that just you know, absolutely has to exist. Otherwise, the strategy is essentially going nowhere. So you actually kind of tiptoed us into the next topic that you said, it doesn't make sense to pay somebody, a senior level marketer, hundreds of dollars. Like, how do you think if for somebody who has never been a fractional CMO, maybe they've been a full-time CMO, maybe they've been a VP of marketing inside of an organization, they're kind of tiptoeing or thinking about tiptoeing over to this world of fractional CMO work. How do you think that person should think about pricing themselves? I think the first thing you should think about is connecting with a mentor in the industry and kind of learning how they're pricing themselves, what they're doing, how they operate. Going into the fractional CMO space is quite different than your regular freelance gig. And so I think mentorship is the first thing that I would seek out and find someone who's done it before who can also guide you. And then at the start, I think you have to test your rate out as if you were a client and as if you were a company testing your price elasticity, you're going to have to test it out and see what people are willing to pay you. I think there's also the competitive nature. So you want to look at the competitive landscape and see what other people in your niche are paying. And then I would also say, ultimately think about like the value you're providing, because if you charge really low, people will also think that you're not a senior resource. So it's a balance of affordability, but also positioning yourself as a senior resource that they can trust. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And uh, like, as you're speaking through that, a lot of like what comes to mind is like, it's not too different than like a job search or job offer negotiation. And like the key pieces, and hopefully as marketers, we're good at this is positioning the value and the outcomes that you will be able to bring to an organization and preferably, you know, showing a track record of being able to do that for similar companies or similar types of agencies or similar industries in the past. You know, for you, like, as you think about kind of the broad spectrum of types of companies that you could potentially support, whether those are SMBs, whether they're, they're more VC-backed startups, or whether, you know, they are large companies, how do you think about the differences between those? And what about the startup companies really excited you to go kind of deep into that space? 
Yeah. So I think like speed is a big thing that is different between the different businesses. And so startups really, really work fast and they're building things from the ground up. They're building things for the very first time. And I love that creation aspect of things. I actually am a fine art person from my background and I'm a street artist in Toronto. So I come from a little bit of a creative background and I love that creativity of setting up a marketing team from scratch. I also love the idea for startups that you are building the team. And so you get to grow along with the team. And so you see that progress really quickly and iterate with it. And then the last thing I really like about startups is their ability and willingness to test and learn. And I find this is unique compared to a lot of larger companies where you're empowered as a startup to test and learn. And so that scientific approach is really interesting to me because you can learn so much about customer behavior You can grow from that as well as a marketer, and you can also just push your boundaries. Yeah, I've had very similar experiences within a lot of startups. And like I always tell folks, like if you want everything to be like really clearly defined and you don't want any any ambiguity, then you probably shouldn't go to a startup. But like if you like the ability to be able to explore, to be able to test and learn, to be able to potentially like pick up new skills and projects that you typically might not have the ability to do in a large company, then a startup is a really great space to be in because there's never a lacking of things that need to get done within a startup. And I don't know, it's it provides for me like this combination of like the adrenaline rush of driving and building some of these things within a startup and the organized chaos that I guess I've learned that I feed really well off of. Yeah, that chaos part is fun, though, because then you're seeing so much growth. It's quite exciting. Yeah. Talk to me about like the different industries. So, you know, we startups is kind of like a category. A lot of the times there's technology driving behind it. But how do you think about the different industries that these startups play in? Yeah, so I have a couple of different verticals that I focus on. Uh, Technology is one of them. And within tech, my portfolio includes fintech, ad tech, prop tech, health tech, legal tech, a whole bunch of tech, SaaS, hardware. And then I also have experience with professional services. So within having to market myself and marketing and marketing services agency, there's a lot of experience there. So we work with a number of different types of professional services as well. And then I have also kind of dabbled in some of these disruptive categories as well, like AI, cannabis. So it's been pretty interesting to get to try some of the new things while really leaning in on my core focuses. So AI has been a topic that has really like come to the forefront in 2023. You know, OpenAI came out with ChatGPT at the end of November in 2022, and like I never thought that I would see AI so prominently featured literally in the Wall Street Journal and like NBC Nightly News and like these mainstream publications. You know, before that, I think a lot of folks that specifically worked in SaaS knew that AI was being used, but this is almost kind of like the Pokemon Go moment where it's just got so much visibility that you're getting even like late adopters and people that typically wouldn't be early adopters jumping in. What do you think that means for like the marketer this year? Well, I think it means that we always have to figure out how do we still connect with human beings because AI has a really great place from a content perspective, but it's still missing that emotional touch or that human connection. And I think that's our opportunity as marketers to leverage this to make our jobs faster, but still inject that human personality and that emotional connection, ultimately that hooks in that customer. 
Yeah, I think you're spot on there because the content for anybody who has played with chat GPT, if you want to write factually accurate dry content, but it's really not even all the time factually accurate. Like if you want to write most of the time factually accurate content that's really dry, like that's what the AI does today. And so I think the worries of this is going to take over copywriting right away are kind of unfounded, unfounded in the same way as like moving from an abacus to a a calculator doesn't automatically like get rid of a mathematician's job. It's just a tool, but it's really up to you how you choose to use that tool or not use that tool. And I know for me personally, probably the area that is provided value in is like brainstorm is the ability to be able to quickly brainstorm a list of topics or a list of ideas. But to your point, the AI today doesn't have judgment and like decision-making abilities at a really strong level. And a lot of what we do in marketing is really the emotional connection between a brand and an end user or a customer or a client and how we make that person feel when our product helps them and makes an impact on their life. Those types of emotional storytelling and how you bring that to life can be, I think, assisted, but not completely replaced, at least today, by the AI. Yeah. And that tone of voice really is missing, right? Like you said, it's just dry copy that doesn't have a personality. And ultimately, if you don't have a personality, people are not necessarily going to pay attention to you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Let's talk a little bit about like, what are the questions that a fractional CMO would, or somebody who is thinking about going into the fractional CMO work would want to ask somebody with a lot of experience in this space? And like the first one that comes to mind already is how do you set boundaries? So you mentioned earlier, you have three to four clients or two to four clients that you're working with. How do you set healthy boundaries so that those four different companies feel like they're getting value? But at the same time, I assume you can't be immediately accessible to be able to meet with four different companies in the same 30 minute time period. Yeah. So I think it's just setting expectations at the start and making sure that it's transparent with your clients, what you're doing. And so I don't work with competitive clients at the same time. So they all feel comfortable with me working with the other clients. And sometimes there are even synergies with working with each other, but ultimately we work by the hours. So if they want to spend more hours, they're paying for it. And so usually that helps them control that. And because they know that they can have access to me throughout the week, they know that our other clients have access to me throughout the week too. So it's just setting expectations up front that you have other clients. These are your standing meetings. You're available at these times and you will go above and beyond for them, but it has to be within your guidelines. How about in terms of getting things done and like influence? I'd imagine that one of the challenges would be It's one thing to be able to convey a strategy. A lot of the times to be able to execute on that strategy, you need support, whether that's from a sales lead or from a CFO or from a product, even a product manager. Talk to me about kind of how the difference is between being in-house versus being kind of sort of in-house in this like pseudo fractional CMO in-house type model. Yeah, that's a challenging one, because I think it depends on the type of business and the relationship you have. But again, going back to trust, it's that trust that your initial client, whoever brought you on has. Usually that's the CEO. So if the CEO has your trust, then the rest of the team usually has it. But I always position marketing as a service function, even if I'm in-house. And so marketing is a service to finance, operations, 
product. And so if we're a service, we're helping you do your job better. And ultimately, if we can help you do your job better, we're on the same team. So if we position ourselves as service people who can help them grow and help them enable their jobs and unblock things for them, it ends up being a way that you can bring them in closer and they go confident and they'll support your work as well. Yeah, that's a great, great thing. And I, I love the distinction too, even if you were full-time marketing there, that that doesn't necessarily change. And so being able to bring to life the spirit of that service relationship in service of the other functions and to support those other functions in kind of like the common growth or a common goal, which is obviously going to be growth. What are the things that you wish you would have known before you jumped into it? Were there any kind of landmines that you stepped onto in your first kind of first few clients that you wish you would have known before starting those engagements? Yeah, I think one was like, I wish I had developed more skills in business development throughout my career. And I had kind of left that to the sales teams. So I'd really focused on communications and marketing sides, but hadn't spent a lot of time on enterprise sales. And so I think that was really important for me to learn. And that was a learning process from positioning myself, finding differentiation. You'll be up against a bunch of fractional CMOs and people are shopping around. So why would they want to pick you specifically? And so I think it's finding your value proposition yourself and doing all of those marketing, messaging and positioning studies for yourself. And I kind of went in it and I was, I'll do all kinds of work. I will take marketing communications work. I will do all kinds when I started because I was a little worried about the income level, right? You're going from a full-time great job as a head of marketing. And now you are an entrepreneur. You're making money here and there, but you don't have a steady job income. So I think really having a position and not trying to be a jack of all trades was something that really evolved over time. And then also understanding the sales process, figuring out how do you follow up? How do you convey those values? How do you follow up without being annoying? All of those sales things that people learn through a sales process, but you don't necessarily learn through marketing itself. Yeah, I think those are all really great points. Really thinking about where as marketers, like we so often talk about things like value props, but really like applying that to yourself as a person and taking a look at like the body of work and, and the results that you've driven in the past. And I think so often, like people oftentimes don't even give themselves credit for like the work that they've already done and the very real things that they've done in their full-time marketing roles, or potentially even like if you were working inside of an agency that you delivered for your clients and almost treating those as like personal case studies, the same way that you would treat a case study or a customer testimonial and like a B2B product, but using that to be able to describe yourself makes a lot of sense. In a job offer situation with a full-time job, kind of like normal process for that is pretty clear, right? You go through an interview process, the company gets, sends some type of job offer, whether that's like electronically, hopefully now it's electronic at every company, but you sign typically the company's paper. Like what have you found? Because oftentimes, like if you're hiring a marketing agency, you know, there's kind of the dance back and forth of like, who's MSA, whose scope of work are you using and things like that. How should a fractional CMO feel about that? Because I guess could go either way. Yeah, I prefer to use my master service agreement because I've detailed out a lot of things that are specific to fractional CMOs. For example, ownership of work, the client owns the work there. Um, time of termination. So how long you have to give to terminate someone, because obviously we are now freelancers, so we need to protect ourselves. Payment terms is super important, right? Like I want to make sure that I get a certain amount of deposit, especially with startups, because you have so many startups go out of business or startups have cash flow issues. So you need to figure out, you know, are you making sure that you're protected? 
So for us, it's really important that we sign our service agreement as opposed to others. And we've worked with the lawyer to get something drafted up. You know, you've mentioned meeting other mentors and other people who have done fractional CMO work. And at times that can be hard because if you look on LinkedIn, a lot of these folks, it just says CMO at whatever company they're at. And it doesn't always say fractional or part-time CMO. Like, have you found good communities and resources that have helped you along the way? And where would those be? To be honest, I haven't. I did have a fractional CMO who hired me earlier on in my consulting journey, and he's become one of my mentors and someone I totally look up to. But apart from that, I don't know if there's a specific way to go out and find them. There are some people who have fractional CMO on their LinkedIn, so you can find some of them there, but there isn't yet a community for us, or not that I know of, at least. I haven't seen one you know, at large, like there's definitely the CMO club and the Forbes council and like all of these other locations, but nobody's got a big badge that says part-time on there. So maybe somebody listening to this or watching this on YouTube knows of a place or a gathering hole. If you do leave a comment below the video or uh, shoot us an email, if you're listening to the podcast and we'll share that out with everybody else who's listening. Rashi, like what other advice would you give to somebody that wants to go into this space or just exploring marketing as a career in general? For fractional CMOs, I would say make sure you protect yourself and get deposits. That was my biggest learning. And so make sure your payment terms are favorable to you and make sure that you get deposits before you start working and contracts before you start working because it can really, really hurt you at the end of the day. And then for marketers and people who want to get into marketing in general, I think obviously listen and lean into your customers. Your customers have so much insight and value. With our startups, so I make sure our CEOs as well as our marketing staff get a chance to talk to customers on a regular basis. And I think that's important for all marketers, whether you're at a big company or small company, to always be talking to your customers directly, not just using agencies or other intermediaries to ultimately reach them. You actually talk to them because you could learn so much. That is such great advice right there. And we've talked a lot about kind of like marketing careers and this role of the growing fractional CMO uh, role. Shifting gears a little bit, when you take a look at like the broader economy right now, you know, we're in this state of ambiguity. We have interest rates rising. It's harder for companies to be able to raise funding or to be able to raise their next series of funding if they're already on their path. So companies are becoming cognizant, at least in the startup space, of what their burn rate is. Like as a CMO supporting a few startups right now, like how are you thinking about that? What are you hearing? You don't have to mention specific companies or industries, but like what are you hearing from like CFOs in terms of their sentiment and what makes a good marketing leader in that partnership right now? Yeah, so everyone's worried about burn rates and do they have enough runway so that they can survive the recession or whatever you want to call today's market. So I think as a marketer, you just have to be super prudent on how you're spending and always look at ROI positive campaigns. However, as a startup marketer, you still have to allocate a certain amount of your budget to testing and learning. So I always try to make sure that there's a balance between ROI positive campaigns as well as my test and learn campaigns. And then work really closely with the team to make sure that you are driving the quality and quantity of leads that you're you're aiming to lead. Because ultimately, if you're not making money, your job's at risk. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, when you're technically a freelancer, nothing's guaranteed there. That actually probably leads to like one of the last questions that I assume somebody going into fractional CMO work is this fear of, I guess, the work ending. 
And so what would you tell to somebody who's thinking about jumping into this with kind of that concern versus I struggle to say the stability of a full-time CMO role, but just because the CMO has the lowest tenure and highest churn of the C-suite. But I guess according thinking about the fractional CMO stability compared to the relatively more stable CMO role. Yeah. So in most instances, if you're working as a fully embedded fractional CMO, you'll have signs and signals within the company that your term is ending, whether that's the CEO talking about being bought out or whether that's the next raise. So they'll have finally money for a full-time head of marketing or whether the company's not doing well. And so at that point, you would start business developing and start to build out your leads for your next client. But in general, you should have a good clue if you're a good marketer of what are the different things that you might look for in a company that might start to end that relationship. Yeah. And I guess as I think back through my career of just various roles, like being a good listener there and being able to pick up on those cues. And I think when you're given direction from your CEO, like really being cognizant of like, what is the ask? What is the time frame, And ensuring that you're having open dialogues about what the expectations are and what good delivery and good execution looks like. Yeah. And then ultimately, I think it's about adding value at every point that you can, because if you're a valuable resource, even if they can't afford you, they'll find a way to try to keep you on, whether it's equity or some other form of payment. So I think if you're adding value at a company, you build strong relationships and those things can be great foundational pieces. Yeah, great advice as well. Rashi, thanks so much for joining us today. Any parting words? And for anybody who wants to follow along or connect with you, where's the best place to keep in touch? Yeah, keep in touch. Add me to LinkedIn and uh, I'm happy to hear from you. And my parting words are go out and market. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been Destination CMO, hosted by Vincent Fanfan. Because marketing careers are often highly specialized and rarely linear, Destination CMO invites senior marketers to share stories and insights from their professional journey. If you liked this episode, join the community by following us on social media. We have links to all our platforms in the show notes. And join us next time for the most important stories in business and tech, explained through the lens of a senior marketer. Thanks for listening to Destination CMO. This podcast is produced by Caroline Pickens and the team at Fresh Picked Studio. For more information, go to freshpickedstudio.com.